Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results LLC and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harsberger, your host. This morning, I have a Jesse Alexander, Chief Revenue Officer at Diopath. Welcome, Jesse. Good morning, Martin. Tell us about Diopath. Well, Diopath is a end-to-end IT services company uh, that has about 650 employees supporting clients all around the U.S. and the and the globe. Uh, we are uh, an organization that supports the the IT needs uh, of companies so they can focus on their core competencies. And I think the thing that really differentiates us is this focus on accountability of the technology we're deploying. Explain that accountability. So what happens is that a lot of companies, you know, and a lot of uh, CIOs of manufacturing companies and all that, they're focused on what technology do we deploy and looking for the latest and greatest thing to buy. You know, um, you know, hyper-converged technology from the mechanics, you know, although that's not new anymore, you know, whatever the case might be. But it really comes down to anything technology we do is really supposed to drive the business. It's supposed to help us produce the right products, get them to where they need to be fast, drive the business objectives. And so we don't deploy just shiny objects. We don't deploy just technology. It's about deploying technology and improving the use of that technology, which is a it's a technology change management and it's a human behavior change management, but ultimately so we can meet the objectives of the business in driving growth, in improving EBITDA, and in, in, in scaling the business so that the business you know, has um, can accomplish all of its goals at a lower risk and liability profile. Tell me about the human behavior piece of that. Uh, yeah. I have a curiosity in that area, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, a lot of companies, you know, will roll, will say, I need to get a new fill in the blank. I need to get a new, uh, uh, I need to get a new ERP. I have seen so many companies go, oh, my ERP won't tell me what to do. I can't get the information out about it. It was like, we need to spend a new, so a new CFO comes in and goes, wow, we're going to go dump SAP and we're going to go put in Oracle. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never seen uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, the additional inflow of another five to ten million dollars for the capital to do that. Plus, the the lack of focus it causes on the main business, just because you're tearing out your underpinnings. What I and I've implemented SAP and JD Edwards and Oracle and PeopleSoft. I've done that many times, um, once unsuccessfully, <laughs> but many times successfully, and it really comes down to. I always now say, great, let's take a look at the processes and the procedures 
that we're using with those systems. I'm a Lean Six Sigma guy, and I came that came up through my manufacturing days. So if you're familiar with that, there's this concept, SIPOC, suppliers, inputs, process, outputs, and, and customers. And so if you look at not just the process, but the processes around that process, what are you, what are you inputting in? What are you getting out? Then you start to rationalize what you're doing. And I find that nine times out of 10, firms don't need to replace their technology, their ERP, their whatever it is. In fact, what they need to do is, is take a look at those inputs and the outputs and what that and how they're doing it, change their processes. And nine times out of 10, what they've got is effective. What they've got gives them the information they need, but they need to change the way they're using the tools. And that's a human behavior change management. Hey, you know what? This report used to be good, but it's not anymore. Oh, wait a second. This, this report, these, these uh, metrics are not getting to the team that needs to use them. Or they're not just where well, we've got the data and it's just not being analyzed properly. Right? So yeah. there you go. The reason I ask that is, is in all my dealings the last 16 years with, as a consultant, prior to that, I had my own companies. Yeah. And I know I, the, the human factors thing is overlooked. But oh. typically, you're exactly right. If the processes aren't in place and humans aren't following the processes, in a lot of cases, the processes are there, but they're not following them. They're doing something more expedient. So then they blame it back on the, on the metrics of the, of the data. So the data is rarely what, they, what they think it is. And I've run into that a million times. That's why I ask you that question. Yeah, um, you're right. People, you may spend the time creating the documentation and you got a really nice, beautiful ISO process book over here that no one ever uses. One of the very first things I do when I come into an organization is not judgmentally, but it's just a, hey, can you show me what your process is? And they bring out the shiny binders, you know, or take me to the SharePoint site. And like, here's the process. Wonderful. Can I go talk to the people who are doing it now and see if they're the same? And, and my difference there. Is my, my interview there is less about is, is what's written correct or what's being done correct. And it's more about identifying the delta and saying, which one is reason? There's a reason why we're doing it this way. Exactly. Is that correct or is it not? Because if the way we're doing it's correct, then let's update the process so that we're honest with ourselves. Or if the way we document it is correct and there's some, something getting in the way, which is why you're now having to do it this other way, then let's go fix that problem. And that's the human behavior change management. That's the, hey, if I have to do it different than the process, let's escalate that and say, why so we can solve the problem? Or if it's just, I need to actually read the materials and I actually need to just follow the materials. If that's the problem, that's a different problem, but it's a human behavior change management. Exactly. That may come to your training processes. It may come to your management process, but that's where that accountability comes into we deploy technologies to, to serve a purpose and to generate an outcome. And we actually have to manage and control the process and the use of those tools to make sure we're getting that, um, that outcome rather than going, oh, well, it must be the technology. We have to change right. out the technology. We have to yeah. get the, the latest and greatest new thing now. <laughs> well, in, your, in your experience, how often do you see the processes and the, the written processes and the actual processes uh, sink. It can't be high. <laughs> oh, <it, laughs> thanks for asking. Thanks for adding, asking a leading question there, Martin. Uh, no, they're, <laughs> they're seldom the same. But 
but generally speaking, it is why when you have a, you know, a third party audit from an ISO processor, SOC compliance or whatever like that, you end up with a, a number of minor findings, right? Well, that's, that speaks a lot about you and your company, that you're not in there to sell technology, you're in there to fix the problem, which is, which is uh, admirable in my case. Well, and that's exactly it, right? It's a business, we're not a, you know, we're not a technology company. First and foremost, we're a people company because it's a, you know, we have 650 technicians that are supporting our clients to try to help them run their business better. And it's a business first approach. So we're, if, if, if I'm not helping you run your business more effectively so that you can then focus on the core competency of, of developing next generation products, of improving the efficiency of your organization if you're a manufacturing company, of being able to uh, you know, implement on your distribution plan so that you have a lower cost you know, uh, uh, of distribution, lower um, you know, uh, obsolescence, you know, whatever the case might be, that's what you should be doing while I can help make sure that the, everything that needs to happen uh, to support that is getting done in a predictable and, and, and an effective manner. What do, that's is that the differentiator? I'm kind of out of sequence here, but do you think that's your major differentiator in your market? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Too many, too many of my competitors are not focused on making your business better. They're focused on deploying cool technology, right? And um, and just and just focused on that little box. I just want to deploy the technology. It's 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 all about outcomes. Right. You hear, you know, you hear that phrase out outcomes in healthcare and in education, but it's really it's in all industries. How am I helping you improve the outcomes that are important to your business? Um, when I when I was earlier in my career, the whole use of the ERP and, and how you set reorder points and, and lead times and, and, and manufacturing, you know, uh, batch sizes, and all those little things that kind of go together. Uh, I was data boy. That was my title because it's a matter of how do you use the information to give you actionable information that improves your outcomes. And then that becomes the ability to use the data and analyze it to say, are we achieving those goals? You know, and it's focused on the big picture, not just is this one metric um, hyper optimized to the detriment of the total cost of manufacturing. Are most of your clients large manufacturing companies? Well, you know, that's a great question. We we have a uh, we have a portfolio of SMB and larger enterprise clients. Um, so, um, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, one marquee client of mine is Caterpillar, heavy manufacturing equipment. Uh, but I certainly have a number of others. So I would suggest that um, in my in my portfolio, I've got I've got names you would recognize and names that you will recognize. I'm just curious. Uh, again, yeah. back in my experience, uh, <clears throat> so many small or mid-tier companies don't really use KPIs or data to manage the business. They manage up the P&L, which is six or eight weeks lagging. So there's nothing there. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone in and seen they're not trending data, they're not capturing data. Uh, yeah. yeah. So when you get into a situation like that, you're starting from ground zero, right? Yeah. So, you know, Martin, that's a great point because it, it, it differentiates one of the other things that we do. And, and our, our business is all around helping, you know, your business. So using an IT maturity model 
is the thing that helps us guide our clients because you don't need to go from nothing to ISO or compliant processes right away. You, you just can't do that. So when you come in with a IT maturity matrix model and assessment, what you're doing is you're taking a look at the different functions of your business and saying, you know, what are we achieving? Are, do we have the right controls? Are we doing the right processes? Are we, are we looking at metrics that help us improve and get better? Um, are we repeatable? Is the training existing there? When you take a look at all of those things together, it allows you to, in my case, IT focused, but in other cases, it's really taking a look at the maturity of your organization's processes and where are you strong and where are you weak? And then further, what's the priority of each of those different areas? So for example, if you have okay processes in your training area, um, and it's a low price and it's a lower medium priority, then you're not going to put more effort into there right away in the next three months, next six months, whatever. It'll be more like sometime this year. But if you have significant weaknesses in your security operation, a high priority item with a low maturity, we're going to prioritize that as the first thing we're going to do to help your organization. And so when we come in with that philosophy, that approach, it gives it helps us develop a roadmap for the client on where do you want to invest? Because it always comes down to time and time and resources, right? And so we help our clients go, look, here's where you are. Here's where you want to get to. And in order to do so, here's the highest priority things to work on first that have the most risk to your organization or the most payback to your organization's effectiveness. And that allows you to decide yeah, that's too much money. Let's let's push this out, but we want to focus on these and then focus on those. And that helps us uh, walk the clients through in a plan that makes sense with their with their PLs, their organizational structures, and the risk profile that they are that they have. Good. How's your business uh, now with the with the supply chain and the COVID and the whole last eighteen months, two years? What have you seen? You know. Uh, the, the, the business of supporting our clients with the infrastructure they have is really not impacted too much. What's impacted, though, is as we need to upgrade people's you know, laptops and, and upgrade hard servers and that sort of thing, because there are supply chain issues that we unfortunately can't resolve as quickly as some clients would like, which means that we're supporting things longer, uh, as an example, right? You know, some of the laptops uh, uh, that folks have we just have to, they have to be kept in, in support, which means we do some more in warranty. We do some more out of warranty work um, to keep some of those things going. Um, and, or we, we have to be able to accommodate the transition to loaner devices or replacement devices that we have to help uh, companies manage what, how that image that they've got that supports their productivity and their security for the endpoints works on a, on a non-standard hardware platform. Hey, maybe we had, maybe they're an HP shop and we had to take them to some Dell because that's what's available. So helping them be able to deploy that kind of technology. But that's from an end user productivity point of view. You know, we've also got a lot of infrastructure assets around secure uh, servers, storage, network, that sort of thing. And that's actually where a big focus of the whole cloud is, right? Because if you are gonna deploy to the cloud, whether it's a public cloud or a private cloud, helping our clients do that 
reduces our the impact of the current supply chain um, issues. And so um, that's been that's been a significant way we've been able to help uh, clients navigate through the increased lead times and the lack of availability of some of the technology that they want to deploy. What, what's your big opportunity and your, your big threat moving forward from your, for your company in the, in the, in the environment? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know what? I'd say we have two, right? I'd say we have two. The first is really security because bad actors continue to defocus our businesses from the things that we want to be doing and making money and supporting our clients, you know, or selling to end users or what, you know, to, to consumers, whatever the, you know, whatever our businesses are. So having to redirect resources to be defensive about what we need to do to, you know, from bad actors, it, it is a priority for our business and a lot of our clients and a lot of our prospects need and rely upon our services to do that. I wish we didn't have to, but it is the situation. And so that will continue to be one of the things that's driving our business and our clients' businesses going forward is reducing that liability and risk to our business continuity because of bad actors. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the second one I would say, I think that everybody is also having is uh, the labor shortage, yeah. you know, and finding skilled labor and finding re and training and retaining skilled labor, you know, whether they're tool and die press manufacturer, you know, tool and die, uh, you know, press operators, uh, whether they're maintenance techs, you know, or whether they're IT techs, is, there's, the, there's a lot of demand there. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, you know, and we're having to kind of adapt to, will they come into the office? Will they, do they want to work, work remote, you know, challenges like that as well. So, um, so I think that's kind of the second one that really crosses all industries, mine and all manufacturing. Absolutely. But I, I'm, I'm sure you have a whole thesis there around the lack of participation in apprentice programs and all that, what that's doing to the manufacturing uh, environment for the entire U.S. and world. <laughs> one, of the reasons, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is, is to try to, in my own small way, put some emphasis back on U.S. manufacturing. <clears throat> yeah. It's not a popular uh, or, or, career path, I guess, for a lot of a lot of folks, but you hit it on the head, maintenance people, um, teal and die makers, machinists, uh, they're all they're all aging out. And yeah. maintenance people are just uh, they're impossible to find. Somebody that's got mechan electromechanical skills. Absolutely. So yeah, unfortunately we've had a focus um, you know, look, uh, yeah, this is uh uh, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here. We've had a focus too much on everybody has to go to college. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And, and blue collar jobs are um, rewarding, are effective, um, and, and are profitable, right? And, and yeah. so getting people to go to a community college to learn some of those, um, the, those hard skills that are, you know, blue collar manufacturing uh, capable jobs that's a really good way to go to um, to be able to have a have a lucrative living and support a family. And so the more we can get folks to go to, you know, take advantage of some of those programs while they're in high school and then also in the community colleges programs, which generally have some really good programs there. I think the better off we'll be as a as a nation and the better off our manufacturing industry will be as we try to 
um, replace the folks that are aging out and, and convince folks that, yeah, there's a, there's a future in that kind of career for you. And I, I think the current supply chain issue is kind of driven that home too. We, we need yeah. to start making stuff here. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, uh, anything else you want to know about uh, you or uh, your, your company? Well, you know, I appreciate the time to spend here with you, Mark, because it's certainly been help, healthy uh, or helpful, excuse me, and, and fun. Um, I, I've uh, certainly supported manufacturing and my businesses have supported manufacturing and distribution companies uh, for, for a long time. And, and we really enjoy that sector. Um, it's so important to uh, our, our our nation, our balance of trade, that sort of thing. You, you know, it's interesting when you, uh, when you do business and you have that business first focus to see that the micro things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis to, to deliver to our customers, to produce, you know, to produce goods, to stock them, the macro impact they have, the micro things that we're doing, the macro impact that they have, uh, it, it makes you look at your job in a very different way of I get to make an impact, not just on my industry, but on my country and, and the supply chain overall um, and business effectiveness and results overall. And it's 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 a really it's a great thing. And, it, you know, it helps motivate me as they want to come into work every day to, to see how I can make things better. You're kind of a kind of unique IT guy, too. You came up to manufacturing. I know we talked about that before we started reporting. So. Yeah. You do understand the processes and what's going on in the shop floor, and understand the other side of that as well. So, that's oh yeah, cool. yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know having that business sense, you know, having the the approach of how do we make business run better um, is uh, is always you know is it, always going to drive me and, and and my teams, and whether that's in the front offices with their equipment or on the shop floor with the the printers and the control systems and all that kind of thing. Um, you know what? That's that that's that's exciting, and I'm glad we get to do it to support our clients all day long. How can people get in touch with you to learn more? Well, absolutely. You know what? Uh, feel free to uh, come to our website if you like, which is www.diopath.com, and you'll see a lot of the things that we talked about uh, today about how we support our clients and the different services we offer. And specifically, if you like it, to get in touch with me, I'm at jesse, J-E-S-S-E dot Alexander at diopath.com or 919-520-2635. Great. Well, thanks for awesome. your time. Thank you, Martin. Enjoyed it. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. 
or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.